listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Y'all doing good? Are you ready to receive from God this morning? Hallelujah. This has been such a fun season. I've been loving this made-for-more journey that we've been on as a church, really just all focused on discovering and walking into God's purpose for our lives. It's been so awesome. And Pastor Joe's purpose this week uh, is to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma with leadership and pastors there. He goes down every October and gets poured into, spends time with his pastor down uh, in Tulsa. And so he's going to be back next Sunday after this planned trip. Uh, But uh, I'm excited I get to bring you a message Uh, Part four in this Made for More series today. I'm I'm grateful that Pastor Joe allows me, he gives me liberty to to preach on what I'd like to preach on. There's sometimes I'll I'll ask him, hey, do you want to go over the message with me? And he'll be like, I trust you. And that's really awesome to have a pastor who trusts you like that. Uh, But with this Made for More content, uh, I was excited because we were able, Pastor Joe and I were able to to sit down this week and work on it together. And so uh, I don't know if that means there'll be a double portion uh, of anointing on the message or not, but, uh, but it was awesome for me to be able to do that. Uh, real quick, if we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, uh, my name's Brian Capiello. I'm one of the associate pastors here at New Chapel. Uh, and uh, I've had the honor and the privilege of serving uh, at New Chapel alongside of my wife, uh, Naya, Janaya, but she goes by Naya. That's wonderful. That is awesome. Yes, she is my better half. She is a major blessing. There she is. Uh, she's the kids pastor here at the church. We've been serving on staff here for a little over five years, and I've enjoyed every single second of it with her. Uh, she's, she's wonderful, and so she's been a blessing. Uh, but I just want to introduce you to her. Uh, she's back in kids, teaching your kids. And so if you have a chance after service, just go uh, slap her a high five. I heard a story about a man named Matthew Emmons. And Matthew Emmons was an athlete for the United States. And he was competing in the 2004 Olympics in Athens. And the event that he was competing in was the, the three-stage rifle competition, 15-meter rifle competition. And it was the last round. And he was so far ahead of the competition that on his third shot, all he had to do was hit the target. That's all he had to do was hit the target somewhere, just hit the paper. And his first two shots, perfect bullseye. And his, he goes to his third shot. If he hits the target, it's a gold medal. And here's what he does. Gets down, looks, looking through his sights. Does that breathing technique to slow his heart rate down. Real focus. Pow! Bullseye. But there was one problem. He hit the wrong target. He shot the target next to his target. And in one shot, he went from first place to eighth place. He went from gold medal to no medal. And I read that story this week and I just, it really hit me that a lot of us are working so hard 
to hit the bullseye on somebody else's target. To hit the bullseye on a target that isn't our own. And that happens when we don't put that focus, that intentionality to figure out what Jesus has called us to do. Who he's called us to be and what he's designed us to excel at. And here's the thing. There's no reward for hitting somebody else's target. You know what I'm talking about. God created you with a divine purpose and an intentional, it's an individual design for your life, and it's our job to discover that. Amen, somebody? Here's what I'm learning in this Made for More season. It's that everybody ends up somewhere, but few end up somewhere on purpose. Write that down if you're taking notes today. And at New Chapel, we encourage you to take notes. We know God speaks today. Amen, somebody? Ephesians 4 in verse 15 says, God wants us to grow up. Everybody on the count of three, say those two words, grow up. One, two, three. I know Christians who got older but never grew up. Anybody come into mind to you right now? Grow up like Christ in everything. And in this season, we've been talking about how God has five purposes for our life. Five purposes. And the first purpose was that you were planned for God's pleasure. That God created you to have relationship with you. And that we relate to God in worship. That we relate to him in worship. The second purpose that Pastor Joe was preaching on last week is that we were formed for God's family. And write this down. Our focus today is that our third purpose is to become like Jesus. Our third purpose is to become like Jesus. Not to be a God, but to become godly. To take on his characteristics and his values. And and this is what the Bible says in Romans 8 in verse 29. It says, from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him and he knew who would should become like his son. And this is Ephesians uh, 1 in verse 11. This is the message version, which is like a paraphrase. The Bible says it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. That it's part of the overall purpose that he's working out in everything and everyone. But That doesn't happen overnight. Do you know that? You don't have to feel like you've arrived in one moment. It's a process. But here's the thing. If we want to focus on becoming more like Jesus, we need to really ask the question, what does that mean to follow him? I think this this culture has that confused a bit. Uh, Because following Jesus is not like following somebody on Twitter. Anybody on Twitter? Anybody? (laughs) I know. Anybody used to be on Twitter? Anybody know what Twitter is? Okay. I brought my phone out, and uh, I typically don't bring it up here. I actually had to create a Twitter account because I had deleted mine, but I wanted to show all you guys uh, this just as an illustration. Okay, so right here, uh, that is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Can you see that? Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Wow, uh, 16 and a half million followers. I was going to use President uh, Donald Trump for this illustration, but I couldn't find him. Uh, anyways, uh, praise the Lord. And uh, wow. praise him. Um, 
Dwayne the Rock Johnson, you see that little button called, uh, it says follow right there? Okay, watch this. It was that easy. You see how that didn't cost me anything? See how that didn't really require anything from me? I didn't have to do anything. There's nothing required of me. Uh, And then also, here's the thing. If Dwayne the Rock Johnson uh, starts posting things that are offensive and really starts saying things that I disagree with, uh, I can. Watch this. See that button? Unfollow. That easy. How many know that following Jesus is not like following somebody on Twitter? And here's the thing. Uh, We're going to get into that today, Uh, and I don't want to talk about what I think it means, and I don't want to get into what you think it means. I want to go into the scriptures today and and see what Jesus has to say about this matter, Uh, and he has a lot to say about what it means to follow him. So if you would, turn with me to Mark chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 27. It says that Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. And that's an important detail. They're going around Caesarea Philippi. And if you know anything about that, this was not a holy place. Uh, The ruins today, if you were to go there, you would see the altars for all of the pagan gods that they worshipped. It was a very unholy. uh, uh, Rabbis would not typically be around that area. But he takes his disciples, when he's going to have this discussion with them about what it means to follow him, he takes them out to Caesarea Philippi. And what does that mean? He puts them in the context of everything the world has to offer. He says, okay, we're going to move away from the church scene. We're going to get out of the synagogue. We're going to go away from the lakeside, and we're going to put you in the context of everything that the world has to offer when we have this discussion. And it says that on the way, he asked them, uh, he asked them, who do people say I am? And they replied, so he's, he's asking his disciples, okay, when, when you're out in the world talking to people, what are they saying about who I am and what it means to follow me? And, and they say, uh, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets, which is just the weirdest answer ever. And, uh, and, and it's weird, but if you understand that in that day, they believed in reincarnation. And so John the Baptist had just been beheaded. Elijah had been dead for some time, uh, but they thought that Jesus was a reincarn- uh, reincarnated one of those uh, people. And he says, so the world's confused about this. And he says to them, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, and, and Peter was typically the first person to, to jump out and to do anything. He was he'd step out of the boat, walk on water. He's cutting people's ears off in the garden. And, and so Peter was just a little bit brazen. And so he answers and he says, you are the Christ, which was the right answer. But Peter didn't fully understand what that meant. And we'll see, we'll see why or the fact that he didn't understand that in just a moment. But uh, he didn't understand that because as Jews, what they believed was that they were waiting uh, for thousands of years on Messiah, and here's what was going to happen. When Messiah came, they were going to, uh, it was going to be an earthly kingdom, that they were going to rule and reign right then. And that was 
not what Jesus came to do, everybody. And, uh, and, and they thought that it was going to come, like, you're the man, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah. We'll go get the army ready. We're going to overthrow the Romans. You're going to be the president. And Peter was probably like, and I'll be your chief of staff. Somebody, come on now. And, uh, but that was, uh, was not what Jesus had in mind. It says that he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. That he must be killed and after three days rise again. You could just imagine their, their disbelief. Like, Jesus, that's not our plan. Like, we had other plans. You're really messing this up for us. He said, uh, it says that he spoke plainly about this. And Peter, watch this. This is how we know he didn't get it. Uh, Peter took, just think about this. Peter took. Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. So he just said, you're the Christ, you're, you're Messiah, you're God. And then he starts, notice how it says he began to rebuke him. And like, if I'm thinking about it, like I just, even if I thought about it, like I'm not going to say anything to, to Jesus, but it says he began to rebuke him. In verse 33, it says, when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, get behind me. And watch what he says here. He says, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. He's saying, you're not thinking about life like I'm thinking about it. And I believe that same challenge from Jesus is to us today, to think about the things of God, not the things of man. And then verse 34 says that he called the crowd. Now he's going to address everybody. He calls the crowd to him along with his disciples and says, if anyone would come after me, and then this is what he's going to say, if anybody wants to follow me, so let's answer that question. If we want to follow Jesus, this is what... The words of Christ are in the Bible. He must have a million dollar net worth. He must have a social media following. He must, uh, he must have a really nice white smile. right? That, no, that's not what the Bible says. It says that he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This is not what the disciples we're really expecting. And here's the thing. When we hear that, you know, take up the cross, that means something to us that I, I think, it, you know, it didn't mean the same thing to them. A thing about the cross. It's jewelry to us. But to the disciples, it meant something different. The cross was a place, uh, it was a death sentence. It was a place of, of, of punishment and suffering. It would be like if we were to wear uh, say, an electric chair on a piece of jewelry. You know what I'm talking about, somebody? And here's the thing. He's saying, take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself and follow me. He says that for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Quick note, you're going to lose your life if you try to save it. If you try to focus on everything that the world has to offer, and everything that, you know, I'm just going to go live it up. The Bible's saying you're going to lose your life. Um, uh, um, 
newsflash, everybody's going to die. Like doctors are going to die. People who eat all organic food. It's going to happen. They're just going to pass with a nasty taste in their mouth, everybody. And, and so anyways, praise the Lord. Uh, uh, but the Bible says that if you uh, try to save your life, You'll lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. So when we take up our cross, we follow him, we deny ourselves, we focus on what he has for us, not on what we want for our own lives, you will find life. You will find life more meaningful. You will find God's purpose. Amen, somebody? And we really have this realization when we go to funerals. I remember... Every time I go to a funeral, it, it, puts, it puts the decisions that I'm making into perspective. Like, wow, we didn't expect that to be so soon. Or that went by quick. And it really puts into perspective that the most important decisions are the eternal decisions that we can make for God. Amen, somebody? Amen. It says that what good... Is it for man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Verse 37, we're going to continue. Just one more passage of scripture. So if that's true, that's the words of Jesus, and we would all agree that that is true, poses the question, or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? It's verse 37. And the answer to that would be to, for eternal life, there's nothing we wouldn't do. There's nothing we wouldn't give up for that. If anyone is ashamed, he closes with this. If anyone's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. So you might ask, why are we talking about all this? And that's because I, I want to bring this to you uh, because I want to acknowledge every single person in this room is at a different spot, a different step, a different level in how they're following Jesus. And, and I want to, as one of your pastors, encourage you to find where you're at in the journey and take a step. I want to challenge you and just really, really just encourage you to be continually pressing into God, pursuing him, focusing on what he has for you, denying yourself, picking up your cross, pressing in to him. Because when you do that, I promise you, you'll find life. You'll end up saving your life that way. And we need to teach this because on the surface, it doesn't really make sense. Because you would think, you know, if I want to live my life, I'm, I'm going to go live it up. I'm going to go do what I'd like to do. But the scripture is revealing to us, it, it's actually the opposite. That when we put the things of God first, like Jesus was saying to Peter, when we think of the things of God and not the things of man, then we will find purpose and find life and have real eternal life. Hallelujah. This is what Luke says. It's the same passage of scripture, but he, uh, Mark admitted one thing that Luke included. And this is what the Bible says in verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 23. It says, then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily. So it's a daily thing. 
pick up his cross daily and follow me. So there's a process there. And everybody's at a different stage in increment to the point that we're following Jesus. And it's our job to kind of articulate what that looks like, the different stages of what the, the, the commitment to following Jesus, so you can identify where you're at and allow the Holy Spirit of God to show you what your next step is. And so the message today, really the thesis is wherever you are, take the next step. Did you know that you don't need to take leaps and bounds with God? That God, the Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. That he'll lead you one step of, at a time. And so if you're in this room today and you think the things you're talking about are kind of intense, I don't know if I'm ready to go there. Did you know that God will give you one step at a time? One step at a time. And it's not going to be something that you can't handle. And, and if it seems like that, it's because God wants to help you take the step. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you're a teenager in this room. It doesn't matter if you're 80 years old in this room. It doesn't matter if you accepted Christ yesterday or if you accepted him 60 years ago. God has a next step for everybody. He has a next step for every single person in this room, and he wants to continually lead you into more, not just for your sake, but for the sake of what you can do for the kingdom. One thing I know about God is he, oh, here's the great thing about the Lord. He will call you, and you'll be like, God, I'm not qualified. You'll be like, God, that's too big for me, or God, that's, that's outside of my comfort zone. Has God ever asked you to do anything outside of your comfort zone? I'll tell you what, even when the Lord asks me to pray for somebody that I don't know, I, I'm still like, that's uncomfortable for me. And I do this, like, I love to pray for people, and it's still uncomfortable. He'll ask you to do things outside of your comfort zone. He'll ask you to do things one step at a time. Because what God sees in you is so much greater oftentimes than what we see in ourselves. Did you know that I have a natural fear of public speaking? Like, <laughs> when I was in college and in my public speaking class, I'm telling you what, I, there would be times I'd be throwing up before class would start, and there's eight people in the class. And I'm giving a presentation on how to swing a baseball bat. Like, how ridiculous is that? And, and so God will lead you one step at a time into your purpose. Amen, somebody? Now I just need to find where I'm at in my notes. Um, praise the Lord. Okay, find where you're at and take a next step. I want to break this down to five levels, five different steps of following Jesus. The first is, is the crowd. And this was Jesus' first appeal to the crowd. And it's our first appeal too. Like we design different things, different experiences to appeal to everybody, to appeal to the crowd. Some experiences are crowd-oriented, where it's come and see. Everybody, come and see. And like, we're going to give you a lot of free coffee, and I can't guarantee it's going to taste good every Sunday, but it'll be hot, and we're going to give you coffee, we're going to take care of your kids, we're going to have great music, we're going to laugh together. Come and see, come and experience this. And then, uh, and so, Here's the thing, if you're at that level of come and see just in the crowd, 
We have a newcomer's reception here next Sunday in the grow room after both services where you can come and meet people and come and connect with people in a, in a way where you can just come for the food. Hey, if you come to the newcomer's reception, you've been coming for a little bit and you're like, hey, I want to come and you want to come for the free food, God bless you. That's awesome. There will be food. There'll be more food than you can eat. So come eat the food if you're in that crowd next week at the newcomer's reception. The next level is the congregation. Come and join us. And here's the thing. I want to give you the personal invitation today, if you're at that crowd level, to come and, and join with the church, to, to come and attend a, a New Chapel Connect session in the grow room during one of our worship experiences. I want to come uh, invite you to come and be a part of this. That is what, if you've not taken that step, that is what God is leading you into. And, and here's the thing, if you're at that crowd level, don't feel pressure to give. Don't feel pressure to serve. We're actually, I think, just delighted that you're here. We're just happy. We want you to feel welcome. We want to be a church where, where we can make the invitation for you to come and be a part, to come and join us, but at the same time feel just welcome to be here. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And so, uh, but more importantly than, than joining the church or joining a small group, joining with Jesus like joining with him, being a, a, a part of his family, giving your life to Christ. Come and join us. And then the next uh, third uh, level, and, and most of us are at these next uh, couple of levels, is the committed. The committed. And, and this is the people who would say, you know what, it's time to come and grow. Like, I know that salvation isn't isn't the finished product. Like, that's the beginning. And I'm ready to commit myself uh, to Christ and to come and grow. And this would be somebody who you're like, man, I, I, I'm, I'm ready to come and join a small group. I want to get into the parenting group or to the marriage group or to the men's or women's group or one of our couple of women's groups. And I want to come and I want to be intentional about growing my relationship with Jesus. And I want to I want to read the Bible every day. And I want to I want to learn to pray. And you're that person who's like, I'm going to come and grow. I'm going to I'm going to come to the Saturday morning prayers that we have during this made for more season. I want to learn to pray. I want to read my Bible. I'm telling you 15 minutes in the morning. Give God 15 minutes and get in that word. Don't start in Genesis and try to read through. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Anybody do a Bible reading plan? You start in Genesis, end up in Leviticus, and you're like, this is... Start in Matthew. Read through the Gospels. I'm just trying to help you out. I've, I, I hit my head on that, on that wall there. And, and so uh, come and grow. I'm going, to, I'm going to commit myself to doing the daily devotional reading in the book that we're doing together as a church. And let me take a time out real quick. I'm not going to have anybody raise their hand, but if you've, if you've um, what's the phrase, fallen off the wagon with the reading, uh, don't condemn yourself. Jump back in. Jump back in and don't feel like you have to make up for the 17 days that you neglected. Jump into that day. We put a handy-dandy bookmark in there to tell you which days are which. Jump back in with us, come and grow. The fourth one is the core. And this is the people who would say, I know that it's not just all about me growing. 
I want to come and serve. Is, is there anywhere you can put me? Because I would, I'd love to be on a camera. And I'd, I'd love to, to be on a guitar, to be on the keys. My gosh, if you play an instrument, we would love to have you. I want to be an usher and hand out worship guides or be back in kids' uh, church and, and new kids. I want, can I hold a baby so a mom can go and hear, hear the gospel? These are the people who want to come and serve. And I just want to tell you, you will never know that that part of your Christian life, that fulfilling, that purposeful part of your Christian life, until you start to serve God and serve his people. Amen, somebody? Can the GO team say amen in this room? Praise the Lord. And so the fifth one, and this is where it takes it to the ultimate level. And I believe that this is what Jesus is calling all of us to put a goal for, to attain in our lives. And it's the commissioned. It's the commissioned. And these are the people who would say, it's not just about Sunday. Like, like serving God and following Jesus isn't just about a Sunday. Like, I'm giving the rest of my life to God. I'm giving the rest of my life. And I'm not saying that you're going to join the priesthood or you're going to become a pastor. But you're going to, to, to know that it's not just a Sunday, that God wants Monday through Saturday too. Amen, somebody? That you're going to be the priest of your home. That you're going to go into your work and share the gospel there, that you're going to have a godly influence with people in your family, your friends, that when you go to that football game, any Michigan Wolverine fans in the house? Fourth in the country, baby, come on now. All you state fans, I'm so sorry. And so that's going to be next weekend anyways, praise the Lord. How'd I get off? Tailgate. You go do a football tailgate. Use that as an opportunity to talk to people about your church and about your God. It's the commissioned who say, I know it's not just about Sunday. It's about giving my life to this. That I'm going to make every opportunity an opportunity to have a godly influence with people. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. It says, I'm going to come and die. Like I'm going to lay my life down to Jesus. I want to just leave this up there for a moment, guys. You're somewhere here. And this message, I want you just to look at that. I want you to just identify where you're at and ask the Holy Spirit to say, what's my next step? I feel like we're doing, I'm trying to just make it plain. Just like how Jesus said he was speaking plainly to his disciples. I'm just trying to speak plainly. Like, where are you at? And then just take the next step. And God will reward you for that. The greatest return on your investment you can ever have in your life is when you make spiritual decisions to pursue God. Amen, somebody? Write this down if you're taking notes. Your life isn't about your life. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And the invitation from heaven today is to go from no commitment to total commitment. From consumer to contributor. From Savior to Lord. Savior is what Jesus did for me. Lord is all about what I can do for Jesus. And I want to read this passage out of Ephesians 5. It says that you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. 
live as children of the light and find out, listen, find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Here's what you need to know about that. To expose those things, you need to have somebody in your life you can talk to. That's why small groups are so important. You need to be able to come into a community and, and pick the right people, you know, uh, uh, build some relationship, and that will happen. But you need somebody in your life who you can say, hey, I'm going through something. Can you pray for me? Can you help me? We need to expose those things. Verse 12, for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is the light that makes up everything, or that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and listen, Christ will shine on you. One more verse, verse 15, be careful then. How you live, not as the unwise, but as the wise, making the most of every opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity. The Bible is saying that he's gonna that, that the Lord's gonna give you the opportunities. And so becoming like Jesus, I'm short on time. We're gonna have three just very practical questions about how we can become more like Christ. The first question is this. What am I doing that I should not be doing? Like, what am I doing that I really shouldn't? And if we're all being honest in the room, we all have those things in our life that we know we shouldn't be doing. Some of us in the room are living a life that we know we were never intended to live. I, I guarantee so many people in this room, when I ask that question, something popped into your mind immediately. That we know, okay, what am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? And now here's the thing. Some of us in the room have gone to that place of quesara surah. Like it is what it is. Oh, this is just the way I am. Listen to me. No. No. You serve a God who wipes your slate clean. You serve a God who gives you a new beginning. Did you know it's not a second chance because we'll always need another chance? It's a new beginning. It's a new beginning. It's a fresh start. He'll wipe your slate clean. And we need to come into the season and know I'm going to make the decision to expose some of these things that I know I shouldn't be doing. I'm going to get some accountability. I'm gonna, I know these people are going to encourage me. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to make the decision. That's not going to define me anymore. Like, I'm going to move, and I'm going to have that junk. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that junk to God, and I'm going to find accountability in the church, and I'm going to expose those deeds of darkness and trust God that he has a new beginning for me. Did you know in 1 John 1, in the, in the ninth verse, it says that when we ask God for forgiveness, that he is faithful and he's just to cleanse all of our sin, to, uh, to, to forgive all of our sin, to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. I just feel like there's somebody in here this morning that needs to know uh, that, that in uh, the Old Testament, in, in the book of Isaiah, it was pro Isaiah is prophesying about the system of, salva uh, of salvation and forgiveness that's going to be set up. And the Bible says that he will, uh, he's the one who blots out your transgressions and doesn't remember your sin. That's difficult for you to understand. I get it. And me too. Because we remember everything that that person did and that person said, right? Yep. 
God, when you come to him, you repent of your sin, you ask for forgiveness, the Bible says he doesn't remember your sin. That's the new beginning we're talking about. Amen, somebody? And hiding behind all of that junk is God's purpose and God's will for your life. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then. So what's the Bible saying? It's saying, don't be worldly. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by God's word. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Not doing that I should be doing. Because the Bible said in Ephesians, we just read it, that it's gonna, God's going to give you opportunities. God's going to give you the opportunities. And I believe that our job as a church is to, to give you the opportunity to step into something meaningful, to step into your purpose. I think it's time to do the things we know to do. And the book of James says it this way in chapter 4. The book of James is, it can be blunt. It can be, uh, it's very direct. Like half-brother Jesus, he's getting to the point. He's not mincing any words. It says it this way in the fourth chapter, verse 17. It says, anyone then who knows the good that he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. You knew to do something good. Here's the thing, though. Don't let that, don't let that bring shame on you. Well, I don't know what I do. I missed an opportunity a couple weeks ago with a guy at the gym who I, I felt like I was supposed to pray for, and I was like, I'll, I'll pray for, uh, I'll, I'll catch him when he's leaving so we can do it kind of more privately. It's, you know, it's full. Here's what I do. I missed an opportunity. I say, Lord, give me another opportunity. Give me another opportunity. And he's faithful. He'll have grace on you. He'll give you another opportunity. Amen, somebody? Here's the thing. You don't need me to tell you what you ought to do. You know. You don't need a holy Brian. You have a Holy Spirit. And he's already speaking those things to you and working on your heart and revealing what he wants you to do. This is Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. This is in the message paraphrase. It says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. The third question is, why not do it today? When we're going through, and, and I believe by the Spirit of God, He's revealing your next steps to you. Like, you know, why not do it today? When we identify what that next step is to become more like Jesus, what it means to follow him, don't, don't procrastinate. Any procrastinators in here? I just saw the procrastinators wait seven seconds to lift their hand. <laughs> Do it today. Because you are made for more. You are. You're made for more. But the purpose that God has for you and the vision that he has for your life is going to be found on the other end of making a decision to follow him, to pursue after him, to take your next step. One passage of scripture, and then I want to pray. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2 says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now 
is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we love you. God, I thank you that you're revealing next steps to people's hearts today. God, I pray that by your spirit, you're ministering to your people here. God, that you're, you're giving people the boldness, the strength to take that step. That you're encouraging, that you're, uh, uh, we pray that you'd be placing people in our lives to encourage us, to hold us accountable, to be uplifting, to be truthful and loving. Lord, I pray that you'd help everybody to see where they're at and to take that next step. In Jesus' name. Would y'all look at me just for a moment? If you're in this room and you have not made the decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, we're going to pray a prayer in just a moment. And we do this every week because we know it is so important when the Holy Spirit of God is working on somebody's heart to give an, oppor uh, an opportunity to make that decision. If you're in this room and you've not made Jesus Lord, and I'll explain what that means in just a minute, that is your next step, and it is the greatest decision you'll ever make. Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man who came to earth, died on a cross for our sins in our place, and God raised him from the, de uh, from the dead three days later to demonstrate that he's God and that uh, really to, to, to pay in the resurrection. We, we get uh, so many promises that we will be raised to new life in Christ. We, without Jesus, are uh, dead spiritually. But the Bible says that when we make Jesus Lord, that when we realize that we need a Savior, that we need forgiveness. The Bible says that you'll be born again. That that spirit part of you will become alive. And so we're going to pray this prayer. And if you're making Jesus Lord, I just want to encourage you. It is the greatest decision you ever make. Would you all bow your heads with me just for a moment? Before we pray this prayer today, if that's you in the room, heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you in the room, I'm not going to stand you up. I'm not going to have you come forward. I want to know who I'm praying for. Would you slip your hands up in the air on the count of three? You can just slip them right up close to your body. I'll see you on the count of three. One, two, three. Would you slip it up? I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you right there. Awesome. God bless you. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. New chapel. I want everybody to say this prayer. I want everybody to say it uh, in support of those people. We don't want anybody praying alone. And as a declaration of your faith, we're going to pray this right now. Repeat this after me. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Put your spirit in me. I receive all that you have for me. 
Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making all things new. And we prayed it together in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, come on, give God praise this morning, New Chapel. Hallelujah. I just want to pray for you before you go. Would you lift your hands for the blessing? Hallelujah. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, have a great week, New Chapel. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.